0: Welcome to the Alts Podcast. I'm Horatio Ruiz and today's guest is artist Kenan Wells. Kenan has a distinctive style showcasing his use of pixels under his current project, Pixel Hall of Fame. Kenan has been commissioned to work for Nike, ESPN, Rally Road, the Boston Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. A classically trained artist, Kenan has also worked in the digital space for years and brings a unique perspective with the emergence of NFTs. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Keenan, thank you for uh, being on the podcast today. I uh, really appreciate it. I got introduced to you on Twitter, actually, through your project, Pixel Hall of Fame, and all the work that you do there. Initially, it was through the trading cards that you made uh, through Rally, and I just thought that the cards were so cool. In any case, um, you know, thanks for being here and, and willing to talk about your art.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about it, and yeah, this will be great.
0: So, you know, when I, when I saw your artwork on the Rally trading cards, I had this image of you as an artist, right? And then as I started researching a little bit more, I see that you have a completely different style, right? You you do um, oil and sand on on. I don't is it canvas or is it a, a a kind of canvas?
1: Yeah, panel actually. Wood wood panel primarily. Like you said, I do use sand, so the panel is a little bit more integral to hold that stuff. So
0: it's awesome. You know, it's it's kind of me. I'm I'm kind of an artistic amateur, right? In terms of like what I would I would say that it's a little bit more impressionistic, like impre- uh, impressionism, right? And then you have this other style with the Pixel Hall of Fame, where it's kind of reminds you of the 80s, right? The 80s, 8-bit, 16-bit video games. You know, your, your upbringing as an artist, and then your evolution, I guess, as you've as you've kind of discovered other ways to express your art.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, to do that, I got to go back to the beginning, right? So as a little kid, I've always been drawing, always been making stuff. I was born in the 80s. And jump ahead to the 90s, mid 90s or so, when we got our first personal computer at home, I was immediately in there on like Microsoft Paint doing, you know, whatever I, in, in Microsoft Paint, I was probably doing a lot of like, copying stuff I would see in video games uh, that I was playing at the time. But you know, looking back at that, that was actually like sort of early pixel art in a way. Um, if you remember that program it you could actually it would go in and draw it. But pixel by pixel in a lot of ways. So it kind of brings it back full circle. But so I kind of, I do kind of have these two paths that I've always pursued. One is like a more traditional art background and the other has been more of like a digital practice. And that's been, been true my whole life. So I, and I actually went to, to college for traditional studio art. So I have a pretty strong like drawing, painting, sculpture background. I think that was really important for me to have that foundation um, but as I went out of school, I transitioned to more of a graphic design background, and I actually worked professionally as a designer for many years. And the last ten years, I've actually been a digital product designer for you know major tech companies, things like that. So I have a kind of a very strong design background that's kind of you know spread across multiple disciplines. And then and then I and then I deal, I still do the uh, the oil painting today on on the side as well. So kind of got a lot of irons in the fire. But yeah, that's why. You know, I kind of have a traditional practice and a digital practice going at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that's so neat. And and I wonder, you know, you being a digital artist, when did you, at some point, did you get introduced with this, um, the idea of creating your art and, and being able to create an NFT out of it? And, and, you know, when did you realize that this was potentially a game changer for, you know, all sorts of artists?
1: Sure. Yeah. So Pixel Hall of Fame, I, I started that project in 2016, which was well before I had ever heard of nFTs I think if if you go back there is actually nFTs were kind of happening at that time but it was very early um, not very many people knew about them for me I didn't even I didn't even know what an NFT was until probably about a, a year ago from like where a year ago from today probably is, is probably about when I was started hearing about you know nFTs I think my first introduction to it was NBA top shot um, which As somebody who collects cards, like that was kind of buzzing in those circles, like you know Top Shot, what is this? Like, um, it's kind of this new new collectible, and so that was my first introduction to it. I I kind of passed it off initially. I was like, well, I don't really get this. Like, I can go watch this clip on YouTube or whatever. Why would I pay money for it? So, I passed it off initially. I was you know I wasn't convinced that this was something I should pursue. But I had been making these you know pixel art pieces for the last five years or six years or so. And I was also making my own physical uh, refractor cards, So I had kind of learned how to make those on my own using, you know, my at-home printer and some, you know, uh, supplies that I, that I bought online. And, and then it just kind of a light bulb went off. I was like, wait a second. There's a really neat uh, connection here between this sort of physical collectible that I'm interested in, like a trading card and this digital collectible, which when I think about it, that's where my work lives. It's on a computer. It was created on a computer. These animations, you can't animate a physical item in in a very easy way. So it makes a lot more sense for me to offer this work up as a collectible in its native space, like in a digital format. And so that's kind of when the light bulb went off for me on NFTs. And I I think it was around March of uh, last year, 2021, where I just, you know, I spent a few weeks just really researching how to do it. And I'm trying to understand how to do it. And I just kind of
0: jumped in head first. That's awesome. And, you know, I want to go back hit back on, on you um, collecting cards, right? Because that's kind of kind of be a little bit of our theme for today. You are a sports card collector, correct? I am. Yes. I saw just on on, a, on the stream here that you got uh, recently this kind of off topic. And, uh, but you, you, you just received a, a submission from um, PSA, right?
1: I did. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you shared now. I was, I was blown away. So there's two things I took away from that. Uh, you're a big Chicago White Sox fan.
1: <laughs> That's very true, yes.
0: <laughs> and that and that you probably have an extensive, uh, uh, you send out a bunch of cards and you probably have an extensive collection because I was like, wow, the number of graded cards in that box, probably a good amount.
1: Yeah, so that was my first ever PSA submission and it was around 30 or a little over 30 cards maybe. It took a long time. You know, I, I kind of knew going in, like, okay, I, I've heard stories like this could take eight months, 10 months, a year, and it took about a year to come back. So... <laughs> it was exciting but yeah i was like oh man i don't even remember what i sent i have to like kind of it had to jog my memory but but i i didn't even look at the grades i, I opened the box fresh which was kind of fun i waited that long so i figured i might as well make an experience out of it but but yeah like uh, i'm a big white Sox fan i i collect luis robert cards he's a, he's one of their young stars um so i have Probably hundreds of his cards, so that was that was a lot of what I submitted. Were, were a lot of white socks and,
0: and his cards as well. And and I bring that up because you know you you love collecting cards, right? But also the idea that you were kind of designing your own trading cards for a while there as an artist. And there's kind of an emerging market, right? For yeah, for art cards, right? Through Tops Project Seventy, Project Twenty Twenty, and then through that kind of rabbit hole, right? You you see that there's a bunch of other artists that are have some really cool and unique things in the space. How long were you doing that for? How long were you designing your own cards and, and were you kind of selling those at shows? Were you selling those online?
1: You know, the Pixel Hall of Fame being a sports focused project, uh, you know, d- you, you doing kind of 8-bit sports animations, I've always kind of thought about how can I make this more collectible? Because, you know, for the last five years, had not I didn't have a great way of, of selling that work or allowing people to collect that work other than something like a, a print, maybe. Prints are great, but like you know, I wasn't really like enthralled by them as like a as like a physical object. The same way, like a a really cool card, you know, kind of catches your eye. Like, there's some cool materials you can use with those, and so I've I'd always kind of in the back of my mind wanted to make my own trading card set. And I would say about a year and a half ago is when I started to really investigate like what that would entail. You know, I looked into like how much it would cost to. To like do this, you know, through a vendor, and it was just you know it was pretty expensive for me, like, to like just kind of do that as an experiment. So, I wanted to figure out how to how to make these on my own, and it's actually a very involved process to make a a refractor card, which is a little different than just like a normal trading card, which is pretty much just printed on on cardboard or cardstock. But the refractor card has a lot of layers to it. You have to prepare each layer in a certain way, and it takes about two weeks to make any given card from start to finish just there's like multiple drying times involved, things like that. But that process was, was really trying to learn how to do that was awesome. And I'm glad I went through that because I can now make these like really kind of beautiful little physical keepsakes that relate to the digital work that I do. And so that was kind of, that was kind of the, the spark that got me into making my own cards and obviously being a card collector too, that helped a lot. And then as I got deeper into that, I, I found a really tight knit community of other card artists on platforms like Twitter and Instagram. And, um, yeah, and there's definitely a a lot of cool stuff that people are doing really unique ways of making their own cards, cutting up materials and gluing them together and making almost like these like 3d little vignettes out of, out of it. So, and yeah, obviously project 2020 tops project 70, like those kinds of projects I think really, Kickstarted a lot of that too. Like I saw some of what people were doing, and I was like, "That's really cool." I, you know, maybe in the back of my mind, I was like, "Man, I'd love to be a top's artist someday." <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to continue that kind of stuff, but, but yeah, like that. That's kind of how I got into it, and you know, I, I, I'm still, I'm still going to continue to do it. I still make, make my own cards, and it's really fun.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that I think when you see how much talent is out there, the artists that they got for Project Seventy and Project Twenty Twenty. Mm-hmm all those artists are great, you know, but then once you go down again and you discover other artists are doing things independently, you're like, man, th- these artists could be just as easy being these projects could be incorporated into these projects. Absolutely. So, you know, that's a cool part of it. So, you know, you're, you're creating your own cards. How did you connect with rally for the cards that you made? And I should mention before I, before we get into that, I know that you were doing the pixel art. You had been commissioned to do work with, the uh, by nike by espn and by the celtics right so mm-hmm. your artwork was getting out there
1: yeah absolutely right after i started this project in 2016 i i got a few hundred followers on instagram initially and um, so I had, I had done a few animations put them up on instagram and people really liked them and that's kind of probably why i continue to do it and uh, somebody from nike reached out almost immediately it was like hey we we'd love to have you do like uh, a lebron james and a Kyrie animation and they had just won the NBA finals at that time. So the concept behind the animation was that they were going to use it as like a celebration on their social media platforms. And I, I think even uh, LeBron and Kyrie both actually retweeted them, which was really cool. So I, I like to brag about that when I get opportunities too. But yeah, that, that was really cool. I, I've also done another project for Nike. I did uh, some t-shirt designs for for their young adult line, which, um appeared in you know stores across the world which is really cool espn i did some animations for them they were highlighting major league soccer's rival excuse me rivalry week so yeah some of the biggest rivalries in the mls you know kind of like a, a fighting game style street fighter concept for those which is really fun and yeah i've done projects for the celtics done an animation for the san antonio spurs So yeah, I've I've done some, some cool commissions. So it's been fun.
0: When you work for like a Nike, right. And you're doing, you mentioned you did the animations for LeBron and, and Kyrie, you know, if you're okay talking about this, what is that like? So when you make something for them, do you keep the IP rights or the intellectual property rights so that then you could, you could take that project. You know, I imagine once you did those, you know, you could then turn those into NFTs, right. Three years later, four years later.
1: So yeah, the IP stuff is very interesting. I'm actually very interested in this stuff. I've kind of had to learn about it just given the nature of, of what I make. I would not own any of the IP to the names, uh, you know, names like LeBron James or Kyrie. Like those are pretty much off limits. You know, as a creator of that work, what I can do is, you know, I, I made the artwork, but I I can't use exactly what I made for them. Like that's pretty much theirs. They purchased it. But what I could do is I could transform something as a creator. You, there's always going to be risk there. If you, if you kind of verge into that territory, but you can kind of protect yourself if you, if you add your own narrative spin to it, if you kind of um, give it sort of something else that's, you know, unique to you as an artist. So if you've looked at my work, you'll see a lot of like sort of sci-fi elements kind of creep in. And I think that's, that's the reason for that is to kind of give it my own spin and kind of sort of reinterpret the work in my own way. But yeah, so that, that's kind of how I get around some of that stuff. Again, it's, you know, nothing here is like, is risk-free, like when it comes to IP, that's, a, that's always a kind of a gray area for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of the emoji winks, right? When somebody says, hey, is that Ichiro? Is that Serena? You know, for some of the animations, uh, but but absolutely, you know, you are taking that artistic uh, freedom, I guess. So going now back into uh, your connection with Rally Road and those cards, and like you mentioned, like the subjects that you had there you know you talk about albert einstein uh honus wagner babe ruth abe lincoln right and i'm probably missing a couple other subjects but the cards really you kind of have that style where it's not just the historic figure you said there's sci-fi i would even categorize it as a uh, steampunk you know <laughs> right yeah take me through that process what was the decision for you to become involved with with that you know with with uh, a, a set of cards for a rally
1: yeah so so Rob, one of the co-founders, uh, actually reached out to me. He'd been following me on Instagram for a little bit. So he's familiar with my work and he reached out to me and asked, you know, we should collaborate on something and I was I was immediately like yes, let's do it because I I've been following Rally for a little bit and I'd actually just purchased one of their they started creating some merchandise and I purchased one of their their hoodies. It had like a like a Michael Jordan rookie card kind of embroidered on the front of it it was just super high quality and i was and so i knew right away like yeah we should we should work on something together i knew it was going to be a quality collaboration and so yeah we we kind of talked back and forth about what that could look like and we landed on a trading card set because that was just kind of a really nice overlap with what i was working on and also fits really neatly into the the rally story like you know they have a lot of amazing cards in their in their collection as well so trading card set made a lot of sense and then as far as the the historical figures i think it was really really about just kind of celebrating what was in their collection really trying to tie the individual artwork and the individual cards to the assets that uh rally offers and kind of yeah really tie tie back into what they were already doing and then you know i also like that you know, these weren't just, it wasn't just sports cards, you know, there's actually kind of uh, an eclectic mix of historical figures from different disciplines, which was, I thought was really interesting as well. And then, like I said, I, I always want to add my own twist to it, add my own narrative component to it. And, you know, being somebody who's also really interested in kind of sci-fi, uh, sci-fi work and artwork uh, that that's kind of my flavor that I added to it as well.
0: Yeah. I, I guess the way I could describe the set, would be like a, a, like a modern sci-fi throwback. If that even makes any sense.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's there's something cool with the narrative there, where you have this. You're kind of tying the past to the present and the future together, which which I think was a cool effect.
0: Yeah, and and so the project was a success by any measure, right? I mean, the cards sold out, and they're doing really well in the secondary market. You know, I don't know if you if you maintain if you keep a close eye on that. The cards came with like some limited editions. Some of them even had like autographs, I believe. So are there any plans for you to, you know, possibly do a second set, a second series?
1: Yeah, I can't give anything away yet. I mean, we're, I think there's interest there and uh, I'm certainly interested in doing doing more with them. It was it was a great collaboration and they're they're awesome to work with. So, we'll see. Hopefully we can we can do something. I have peaked on eBay. I actually bought one of one of the cards myself cuz I I really wanted one for my own collection. But yeah, the, it's cool to see them on eBay like, you know, some of them have I think there was a one of one that sold for I don't know it was like seven hundred dollars or something so that that was cool but yeah there's even there there are a few sort of hand signed or handwritten relics that are are still kind of out in the wild we haven't seen those pop up yet so I'm really interested to see if you know if one of those shows up on eBay what what that would actually go for but
0: you know I mentioned earlier in the podcast how I was introduced to your work through that project did you find that this project opened you up to other collaborations.
1: Yeah, I mean nothing nothing concrete at the moment, but I think it did I it definitely got me out there and a lot of new people have kind of come to my to my work, have been following me on Instagram and you know, kind of keeping an eye on my NFTs as well. So I'm hoping it'll it'll be fruitful and yeah, we'll see where it goes.
0: So talking about your project and we're gonna get into like your future project in a little bit, but could you talk to me about, you know, the hustle, right, of the art game. So you graduated from school, right? You are a classically, I guess, trained artist. Uh, and you took part in some shows you know where you're exhibiting your work what is that like to strike out on your own you know to have that kind of conviction of being you know an artist because you hear so many stories about how you have artists and they're like oh yeah you know I do it I I, I want to do my art full-time but I can't because I just can not afford it what is that like coming out of school to just strike out on your own
1: it's hard it's it's not easy I mean you you have to work on off hours you out of all of the artists in the world a very small small sliver of them actually do it full-time and make you know make comfortable money doing that and are able to kind of focus on that full-time and and to be frank with you i've had to have day jobs i i still have to do work outside of the pixel work to pay the bills it's not where i want it to be yet but and i think like a lot of other artists right now who are discovering nfts like that to me is is that path forward for you know how i get to a place where this is my sole focus but it's difficult and you know i think you have to hustle you do you have to work in on weekends and you have to work at night and if you're like me and you have two kids at home that's really hard sometimes so but yeah you just got to make it work when you can
0: i hear you i hear you totally totally hear you (laughs) so let's talk about that like as an artist and as a digital artist are nfts a game changer and and i ask that question broadly
1: Absolutely. For me, anyway. I think they will be a game changer for a lot of other artists. I think it's still early. But for me, what it what it's shown me is that like there is a way to support myself by doing the thing that I love to do, which was never really possible before that. I, I didn't have a path forward in terms of, you know, I had been making these pixel art animations, doing my my oil painting on the side. And, you know, there, there was no real path forward for me to make a living off of that. You know, I would get commissions for cool projects here and there, but it was unreliable. NFTs have created uh, an opportunity for somebody like me, for other artists too, to basically make, you know, a revenue stream that can support them. And when I realized that that was possible, it was just like a door I had to walk through that I, you know, I I think it, Asking an artist not to walk through that door is hard when they've never had that opportunity in front of them before. I do see it as a game changer, um, and I plan to keep going until until it clicks for sure.
0: Could you give me a few more details, like how they're game changers? So, for example, like do you find yourself that you have a wider audience, or even like the economic structure of it all, right, where um, where you can create something digitally and upload it and then market it easier? How exactly, like, does that? work for artists where they're like, you know, this has changed my life.
1: Sure. So the marketing side of it is still on you. There's no real apparatus in the NFT space to like get eyeballs on your work. I think you still have to kind of use your, your social media and um, those, those other tools available to you to promote yourself. But what it really does, especially for a digital native artist whose work was made on a computer, maybe it has animation there's never been a way or an easy way for an artist like that to sell their work or to get directly to a collector. You've always had to kind of do some kind of work around where you're making a print or, you know, doing something kind of crazy with a digital display or something. And then you're also kind of, you're locked into that more traditional art market where it's really hard if you're, you know, if you don't have connections to get into a gallery or to kind of break through into that trad art world. So what NFTs have really done is I, I think they've kind of democratized the market part of it in a way that allows me to directly connect with a collector. And I don't need all of the, the middlemen to like make that sale. And so I think that's to me is like, is as an artist, like the big game changer, you know, it's still up to me to promote and, and I have to do the work to build a, a community around around my artwork, but, but I... But I don't have to go through those other institutional channels anymore, which I think is really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and and in you describing that, right, it kind of encapsulates the whole idea of decentralization, right? You're in control, right? There's no, there's no middleman, there's no one you have to go through anymore. There's no central authority, which is so cool. And 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 you kind of see it, like the decentralized idea makes sense then when you see it at work. Uh, that's just my little commentary. One of the other big things, and, and you know, if you feel comfortable talking about this, is that you can program, right, the NFT so that on secondary sales, you know, the artist is always getting like a royalty. And, and to me, I think that's genius because, you know, once you sell it one time, it's no longer, that's it, it's a one-time sale, right? But the idea of creating these revenue streams where you can, you know, benefit in perpetuity so long as your work is being circulated or resold, yeah, I think that that's great because you could sell something for $100, let's say, right? And then but then let's say like the appreciation for it just grows for whatever reason, right? And one day it sells for a million dollars, you'll never see that right as an artist, even though that's your creation. And um, in some ways, it's you maintaining those, even though you don't own it anymore, because you sold it off, you're still maintaining a little bit of your property there by getting a little cut. Is that a common practice? Is that something artists are kind of really excited about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I should have mentioned that in my first my first uh, response, because that is, that is huge. Like, you know for example uh like the rally cards for instance like those selling on ebay like none of that's coming back to me or rally right Mm -hmm. whereas if you know we're making nfts then we we can say like okay five seven ten percent of any future sale comes back to the creator so yeah i could i could make an nft and give it away for free and then still profit off of it in an ongoing sense basically forever as long as the blockchain exists right Mm -hmm. that's that's incredible right
0: Yeah, that's huge. Let's talk about some of your projects right now. Um, you just had a release called, uh, a series called the wedgies. And I think, I think it's so, so funny and it was kind of, you know, uh, whimsical, right? Is that okay for me to describe it that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Could you describe that project It sold out? You had an auction as well that also, you know, that did pretty well. What was the wedgies? Was that a collaboration with another artist as well? So
1: the wedgies was, uh, was not my idea. So it was a, a collaboration with the No Dunks podcast. I believe they're. uh Part of the athletic, and it's a basketball theme podcast. So one of the hosts of that show reached out to me. We we follow each other on Instagram and, and Twitter, and you know he's actually collected uh, a couple of my NFTs before. So you know we've kind of chatted back and forth on on Twitter and things like that. But he reached out and was like, hey, you know, as as part of their show, they have this kind of running theme where they highlight uh, every wedgie that happens throughout the season. And if you're not if you're not familiar, a wedgie is basically when the basketball gets stuck between the rim and the backboard. So, you know, like you're trying to make a shot, but the ball just kind of gets lodged. It's just kind of a humorous thing that happens in a basketball game. And, um, you know, humor is a big part of the no dunks show. And I, I loved that about it. It was really, it was just kind of a fun, funny concept. And the other thing that's cool about it is each wedgie that we create or each individual NFT that we create is tied to an actual occurrence of it happening in real life. So, It's kind of this living collection in a way, uh, which is really cool. But yeah, it's basically you know a collaboration with them, and I think there have been twenty-three wedgies this season, so we have them all ready to go. We're just kind of catching up right now, releasing them in in batches as as we get as we kind of catch up to to current
0: uh, status. That's cool. So it's like a a living, breathing set, right? Because you know there's going to be a few more wedgies out there. I also saw something kind of like a sci-fi project so it's all I, I saw like a picture you put out this the way i can describe it is basically an astronaut buried somewhere like in the moon with his hand sticking out of the ground <laughs> and that was really cool i love the coloring the black and red coloring what is that
1: yeah so that's a new project i'm working on it's uh it's called shipwrecked which if you're at all ever in you know if you've been in crypto at all i'm, I'm actually new to crypto but i guess that this term wrecked is like a term that gets floated around like you know when when you overinvest in something and it, it tanks, you know, you get you get quote unquote wrecked, right? I brought that that concept in as like into this kind of sci-fi narrative. So the idea behind the collection is, you know, I'm also really into like vintage sci-fi artwork. So things you might see on, you know, old book covers from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, kind of like a little bit of kitschy art, but some of it's just really beautiful too. And uh, so I, I wanted to kind of take some of that look and feel bring it into like a pixel art format and then also have this narrative around you're kind of venturing out into these unknown worlds and you don't know what what, what you're going to find when you get there and i think there's a cool parallel there with with crypto and nfts where you know you're taking risks you're making bets and you could get wrecked but sometimes you you know you might win big too so i kind of want to use a lot of the themes of of that and you know th- through sci-fi like through this kind of like these desolate worlds or like, you know, what creatures are we going to find in this in this crazy landscape and, and just kind of see where the collection goes. I have a few of them created. I'm hoping to, to get them launched next month. We'll see. I'm also trying to deploy on my own smart contract, which is a big step for me, um, which for those not familiar, you know, meaning I'm using my own code to like interact with the blockchain versus just uploading to a platform like OpenSea, which is, means you're using their smart contract. Um, so the difference there means is that I have ownership over the provenance, I guess, of the of the work. Um, so so this is this is also a learning experience for me to kind of take that next step as a NFT creator. Um, so I'm excited about it. We'll we'll see where it goes.
0: You know that's interesting. That's something that I, I'm I'm not too familiar with. So you basically, you know, with the provenance, it's basically tied back to your chain, your block. What are the benefits to you as an artist, as a creator, by doing that? Sure.
1: You can use a platform like OpenSea, which is probably the most popular one. There are are plenty of others, but if you kind of upload through their uh, sort of interface, it's super easy to do. But the challenge that you have then as an artist is you're kind of locked in, like you're basically using OpenSea's smart contract. And I'm not an expert on this, but as far as I know... Is basically the the code that interacts between the marketplace and the blockchain. So the, the smart contracts telling the blockchain what to do based on what somebody's you know inputting on the marketplace or what buttons they push. And and so as a creator, I and I'm uploading to OpenSea. I don't have access to that smart contract. That's OpenSea's smart contract. If OpenSea ever went out of business or you know somehow revoked, you know, access or didn't make it open source, there'd be no way for me to use that smart contract anymore. The, the NFTs will still exist on the blockchain, but I could never migrate them to another contract or anything like that. So by having my own smart contract, what I can do is I have, now have control over like metadata, meaning I can push updates to metadata. I could even push updates to the image itself. So that's really cool. I can't do that with OpenSea. Um, And also, if I ever, you know, want to work with a developer, they can then take that smart contract and we can do cool things like connect it to a minting website where somebody could actually mint the NFT on like a custom website. Um, So it just opens up a lot of doors as an artist, as a creator, um, that I wouldn't have if I just do it on OpenSea. And because I have bigger plans, I want to you know, I do want to, you know, work with a, a team someday. I want to start laying that foundation.
0: You got me thinking there. Um, how easy would it be, Kenan, if you were interested in doing it, like releasing your a, a generative art piece, you know, project uh, with 10,000 PFPs, right? Is that something that's, from the outside looking in, right? Like you say, oh, it's generative art. The, you put in the code, the, the computer spits out all these traits, and you get your different images. If you wanted to do that, right, what goes into that?
1: Yeah, so for, from an art standpoint, it's pretty straightforward, you know. You're just creating all of the assets in a way that, you know, as they're kind of generated, they would they just kind of look nice and fall into place. I mean, as as a creator, like I have a pretty good handle on how that would work. The challenges enter in when you, when you start talking about like the the actual code itself. You have to have a lot of security around that. Like as far as like when you allow people to mint, you know, there, there are exploits that that can occur. So you want to make sure you have a good developer to work with who can like mitigate some of those risks. The other thing that, you know, the reason I haven't really pursued that yet, and I do want to do something like that someday. I think it'd be really fun, but it also comes with a lot lot of responsibility. Let's say you do a 10,000 quantity collection. you now have 10,000, you know, maybe not 10,000, you probably have less than that, like four to 5,000 people who are now expecting, they want to know what's where this collection is going to go. And so you need you need community managers, you need you know you need a Discord, and you need people to kind of manage and moderate that. And I think it'd be irresponsible of me to do that as like an individual creator until I have a, a team that can like support that. And so I want to get there someday, but yeah, I think I think it's just about finding the right people to do that with, because it, it would be a collaboration.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that I was going to ask you. You know, do you see that potentially happening in one to three years, right?
1: Yeah, I would love for that to be for that to be true i think my goal right now is to actually find people to work with who who would be interested in something like that so yeah i'm just trying to trying to like trying to learn the space more you know as an individual creator as well getting closer to the code and trying to understand the technology myself but also kind of on the lookout for you know devs and and people like that who might be interested in collaborating
0: parting question right for future artists, right? And you took this path. So you went down a, a classical path, you went to school, but now you see, you know, kids that are growing up with this technology at their hands, like you did, but they've got so much more available to them. To where, you know, twelve, thirteen year olds are making, you know, millions, two million dollars off of their PFPs. What advice do you have for somebody that's kinda coming up as a as an artist, taking that route, uh getting that formal education as and and then that other end where it's like, you know, kids are just kind of doing their thing and, and being successful
1: yeah I think the the biggest advice I could give is just just be curious and and uh, jump in head first to things if you're interested in something just go for it um, I don't think you need to be formally trained your work doesn't have to look any one way I think you can be successful if you care about it and you and you really engage with it I th- you know especially in nfts I think it's just it's all about just being engaged and learning and that's been my biggest like lesson in it is the fact that I'm just interested in it is enough fuel for me to go and like, okay, I I, I need to learn how this thing works, or I need to go learn how that thing works because that's gonna help me as an artist. It's gonna give me a, a toolkit to go do the things that I wanna do. Um, so yeah, I would I would say just be curious and go, you know, jump in and
0: just <laughs> get your feet wet. That's awesome. And if anybody, you know, for for our listeners, anybody wants to learn more about your work, where where can they see your work? Where are you on social media, website, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Pixel Hall of Fame, just like it's uh, spelled normally. So I also have a website, pixelhallofame.com. And then I'm pretty active on Twitter, at same, same handle, at Pixel Hall of Fame. I post work there occasionally, but more just, uh, you know, just kind of talking in threads and chatting with other NFT folks. I also have a Discord channel, which you can find from my Twitter. Um, it's just a single channel. It's part of like a larger artist community collective. Can yeah, I say Twitter is probably a good hub to go to. I have have some links you can find from there.
0: And this is where I was kind of a little bit surprised you have your own website as well where you're you're showing more of your your traditional work.
1: Yeah, I do have a website for my my drawing and my painting. Um you know, that's a practice that's a little I don't do as often. I I have a little bit less time these days with <laughs> two young kids running around, but but yeah, I do, I still I do post very sparingly to that site as well.
0: Yeah, that's keenanwells.com. That's right. Yeah. Awesome, well, Keenan, Thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. Really, uh, you know, enlightening because I'm always curious about you know emerging artists. And by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more pitch out there. You got a bunch of stuff on OpenSea as well. You have some stuff available on the secondary market on OpenSea, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. So if you go to OpenSea and you just search Pixel Hall of Fame, uh, you should find my collection. Um, it's yeah. It's so just some of my personal work. It's pretty sports focused uh, and. Yeah, if you're interested, there's plenty available on the secondary. I do have some new drops coming. They are in the works as we speak.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And so I was just curious about, you know, that transformation. Uh, and, and I think you did such a good job of explaining like how these NFTs are changing, you know, potentially revenue streams, you know, uh, livelihoods for artists that are up and coming. Best of luck. And I'm sure I'm sure you'll, you'll do very well.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me on. This is really fun. And, and yeah, thank you.
0: I always enjoy talking to artists, learning from their creative perspectives and how they bet on themselves and their careers. Kenan's trading cards for Rally caught my attention because they just pop out of me. And it's good to see creatives like him taking advantage of and benefiting from new technologies like NFTs. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let others know about it. We find our guests so interesting and knowledgeable, and I know others will too. Or leave a review or hit the follow button. Until next time, take care.